Welcome back to our podcast, This Is Not The Way. I'm Chris. I've got Courtney as usual. Courtney, how are you? Good, Chris. How are you going? Good. Inspired? Inspired. How's Angry? You, how's your family? Oh, they're inspiring me in, an, in a unique way. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think we podcast to, to get us away from dealing with family issues. I'd rather just rant and rave about what's going on in the economy. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Mm. All right, so... Today's episode, well, it actually, it starts also with, uh, we have fan mail from Steffi, so somebody likes the podcast, which is good, and then I also have criticism from my family, <laughs> what a family, that we are not entertaining enough. We're very serious. Oh. I think the last episode was more popular because we talked about in or out of the office, and of course, the first two episodes were you and I really getting stuck into unethical behavior um apart from the ethical consideration about uncle dennis which i thought was uh, actually really interesting about whether um aboriginal people should receive welfare early the other two things were government is evil and consultants are evil yeah so uh as people know this podcast is called this is not the way which means either this is the way or is not the way so we need to cover these ones off the first one is toilet paper so when you put the roll on the holder yeah is is the way to have the paper that you're pulling coming yep. over the top correct pulling towards you absolutely or underneath underneath is foolish well it's... my child cannot get that through her head it should be over the top shouldn't <laughs> yeah. it because underneath there is there's some is somehow more friction mm. even though i've looked at it and i can't see why <laughs> it would be you pull down and yep. then you just get two pieces when you know you want more over the top you're mm-hmm. able to take a slower... Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, we agree on that one then. Let, okay. let, let me give you another one. How many roundabouts are there in Victoria where if they'd actually built a proper left-hand slip lane, all those cars wanting to go left wouldn't have to stop and wait at the roundabout. They could just slip through into the next bit of traffic. How do they go right? Who cares? I'm talking like 50% <laughs> of people could move quickly through where, a roundabout instead of stopping. Where did you get that stat from? That 50% are trying well, to go 50% left. 50% are going left and 50% will go right. Well, I guess Whoa. some will go straight. So there's 150% of people going through this roundabout. But a good portion go left. And they're stuck waiting for all these numpties going straight or right. And stuck where? N- the whole point of a roundabout is that it, it helps traffic flow. Yeah, but they don't need to stop because there's no one... Like the left lane, it's not like it's clogged up. You need to move through. But you shouldn't have to go through an intersection if you can slip around the left. You can avoid the intersection completely. I'm going to draw it on the whiteboard. <laughs> For all of those people who are like me who can visualise this, it's pretty simple, right? Imagine you just do that. Well, we do have lots of them. Not where I live. We have them in the inner north, and then there's a zebra crossing. So you come in here uh, and then slam your brakes on. Yeah. for the, the school child or whoever who's just sort of standing in the zebra crossing. And that's one lane, and then this is a gentle slip lane, which means yeah. you can then merge 100 metres down the road. The traffic flows. Okay, well, my daughter didn't bring that one up, but that's good. We've covered that. Yeah, it was pretty much it. Well, well we've got some exciting topics for those that want a bit more entertainment. Uh, one of the ones I'd love to rant about is fringe benefits tax, or just tax laws in general. And, you know, the, we always complain about red tape. And then everyone lobbies like crazy for red tape. 
which is, you know, little exclusions for them to save a few dollars in cash, which is crazy. And hmm. But is that partly because we, we set up legislation in a way that allows people to lobby for, what's the word, amendments to legislation for the ability to say, I can see how it should work, but I've got a group of people here I represent, and it's really important to us that blah, yeah. R&D is, is something that we can claim on, or that we have a special interest group and we want a particular tax break. Like, couldn't you just get rid of a whole heap of the deductions? You could, you could slaughter 90% of the Tax Act, and it would be fantastic. But the tax practitioners would hate it. And the, all of the people in these firms that provide your salary packaging would hate it. I mean, the salary packaging, it's just a complete dead weight on the economy. Sorry if you work in those industries, but it, they're a waste of time. They Why? just shouldn't exist. Because you should just pay tax. It should just be really simple. The whole, let's <coughs> sneakily try and pay your children's school fees so you don't have to call it salary. I mean, all the things that led to fringe benefits tax are, are crazy. They're bonkers and they should be smashed. So how should you deal with fringe benefits? <laughs> tax them at such a high rate that no one offers them. There shouldn't be any opportunity salary package. If you want a car, go buy a car. Like everyone else buys a car. Stop wasting everyone's time. And is that the, the problem there too, that you, it's so difficult to remove an actual piece of legislation? So just remove FBT completely yeah. will take a lot longer, won't it? Other than saying, okay, it exists. I'm not going to try and get that through parliament, but I'm going to make a change. It's now 90 cents in the dollar. Yeah. It, it would be easier to make it impossible to use than try and eliminate it. And, and people will always try and do fringe benefits. People always try and cheat on their tax. So you've got to be clever in the tax system to stop it happening. But... There, there's too many, oh, well, I mean, you might claim your briefcase. Yes, you're allowed to go and buy a briefcase. I mean, that's, how many people do you know go and buy a briefcase these days? What a stupid thing to put as an amendment in a, in a tax act. They there, did? Yeah, I'm pretty sure, you know, one laptop and one phone and one whatever. Well, there, there's deductible rules already in place for expenditure. So push it into that space and Oh, stop. hang on, are you saying those things come under FBT? Yeah, but then you get exempt FBT benefits and what's in and what's out and there's different taxing rates to reflect, you know, whether there's GST or not. And there's just a whole cacophony, a cornucopia yeah. of absurdity. Well, already I'm I'm semi-lost in it. Yeah, I'm thinking of personal um, deductions by uh, same problem, everyone claiming that they've got a uniform. But if you do need one, uh, yeah. if you're a chef, fine. Um, if you want to try and claim a briefcase, put it on the individual. Yeah. So are there any loopholes from an accounting perspective for companies and how they deal with FPT? Or they're pretty much, they're stuck. Like they have to show in their accounts that they paid for my children's school fees. Yeah. So that, that it's pretty well captured, that's for sure. It should just be harder and harder to do it. Just don't pay their school fees. Just pay them a salary. Yeah. Simplify it. Make it so simple that the only way you go down the pathway is to do it properly just make it very difficult to follow these alternative pathways of I'm going to pay your child's school fees or I'll buy you a car instead or I'll give you this or I'll give you that. Just make it harder and harder. While you're at it, get rid of the 5,000 kilometres that you can claim for driving without showing any receipts. Yeah, that's stupid. Just take it out. Most people cheat. That's the problem. If it was used properly, it'd be legit. But a lot of people just claim the full 5,000 and they didn't drive it. 99% of people cheat. 
Although yeah. I get to drive to your house as an office, which is a long way away. Yeah, it's different <laughs> for us. See, when it applies to us, I'm perfectly okay to claim it. <laughs> I drive a long way. <laughs> you do a lot of driving. So, should we have a progressive um, tax system, uh, personal income tax system? No. The brackets we have. No. No. What What happens to making the wealthy pay more to help the not so wealthy? Yeah, it's, it sounds good in theory, and it's a very nice thing to campaign on, but it doesn't work because as soon as you create progressive tax, you create significant motivation for those wealthy people to pay money to avoid paying that tax. So. If, if you're going from 30 cents in the dollar up to that 47, 48, whatever it might be, that's an enormous incentive to to find ways to get it back to 30%. You can use trust structures, you might just cheat, you might do whatever. But if it was just, if you're taxed at 30% regardless of how much you made, then you don't get these transitions, these phase changes through the marginal rate brackets, which then make people do weird things. Yeah, because the whole the whole purpose of your tax advice is to get you, if you can, below the, yeah. whatever the bracket is beneath you. That's right. Because it's a significant saving. So, so if you look at all of the work that gets done in in profit shifting or or trusts or deferral of income, all of these games that get played. If you're going to get taxed at thirty cents in the dollar, if you take it today, tomorrow, next year, whenever, you just pay the tax and get on with it. If there was no other way around it, but because you you can delay the tax amount, or you do income splitting, whatever it is. Some some of those items are genuine, but when it is just to slide down a tax bracket, what you get is this, once again, a dead weight on the economy. All this money gets spent trying to avoid paying the tax. So the, the problem from a political point of view is you can't, if you're the Greens or Labor, you can't be seen to be arguing for a, a steady rate of tax because um, you're handing a windfall to the rich, but they weren't paying it anyway. Mm. I don't see that the tax practitioners would actually be a really strong lobbying group to turn that around. This is an issue that affects all people in in any country that have to pay pay tax. So immediately, it's an interesting one. Immediately, you have a lot of wealthy people, probably at first or middle class people going, oh, okay, that's a lower amount. Some wealthy people would be immediately advised by their tax practitioner, oh, this isn't actually that good because they're actually cutting out our ability to get your rate down. And then, of course, a lot of lower socioeconomic people will say, well, holy hell, you just are not taxing the, the rich anymore. It's a, it's a difficult one to explain. Yeah. It's, it's possible to explain it. And yeah, the Greens are out, fine. So, Liberal so Party should do it. Absolutely. The, the clever way that you make it work at the moment is you give people a low income tax offset or a rebate. We do so, that now. Exactly. And it works really well. So instead of changing the marginal tax rates, which is what we do, oh, up to you know 18,000 or whatever you pay zero and up to this amount, you pay a certain percent. You just, if, if you all start paying a flat fee, but anyone whose total maximum gets a rebate or a, or a top up or a tax offset, that's how you can keep it steady and not muck around with the, the system. You don't want to create perverse incentives, and, and they certainly exist. Oh, the whole system is a perverse incentive. Yeah. I guess not being a wealthy person, I don't actually know what all the tricks are um, that they that they use. I mean, if uh, yeah, negative gearing is an obvious one, but that's not even just very wealthy people. That's a lot of middle-class people that'll have a, a second property that, yeah. I mean, that's perverse. It's perverse. 
It, it, it's absurd. It's, it was set <laughs> yeah, up to, get, to, new, to get new property yeah. into the market, to yeah. get property built. All these people buy existing property, yeah. as and, I would too. And people cheat. The problem is the depreciation rates, the schedules, things like that. And it does. It needs to be quarantined, just like shares. You buy shares, you sell shares, you get a capital gain, you get a capital loss. It's quarantined. Like, um, you can't take your capital losses from shares and take it against your personal income. It's it's quarantined until you oh, have a capital yes, gain. Yeah. So just lock it in with that. You want to buy the house? Absolutely. You make a loss, no problem. Offset against that capital gain. You don't get to reduce your current income right now. Tough luck to you. Hang on, you're offsetting it against capital gains tax you would owe when you sell? Correct. Lock it in. And, and if you're that committed, then then make it happen and keep yeah. proper records. Because the, the problem is the dis, there's dishonesty in the system and it, it creates bizarre behaviours where people do stuff because they're getting tax deductions rather than because it's a great investment. And imagine what would happen at property prices if everyone decided to sell off their, their, their properties because they weren't that lucrative anymore. Yeah. But of course, every political party has has hidden from it because that is a vote issue. Yeah. Whereas I think you take a whole lot of deductions out of the system, most of us do not even understand yeah. all the deductions available. The system is so complex, you would piss off a certain proportion of very wealthy people that mm. know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. You would piss off tax practitioners who, um, well, people like PwC uh, are not not doing very well in the PR sector at the moment, but that will pass. Yeah. So what? They can't. They really can't lobby. It's not the mining people that can produce a whole bunch of ads about a super tax. I don't think tax practitioners would be able to fight it. No. It's it'll be it'll just be the political parties. Yeah. yeah. It'll, it'll be the Greens saying this is outrageous yeah. because our whole platform is just you earn lots of money, you must pay lots yeah. of money. So they won't address <laughs> they won't address the positive of fixing up all of the no. deduction stuff. Yeah. Um, Labor will be completely stuck and just fighting amongst themselves. Yeah. And the libs are the ones that could do it, but would know that they're hurting their biggest donors. Yeah. They are they're hurting the they're hurting the ones that are worth hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars because yeah. those pricks literally <laughs> find ways, don't they, to pay sometimes close to nothing. And we get it reported now and then, this top bracket. Oh, yeah. This Each year, the tax office reports on how much people haven't paid. And there's quite a few millionaires who pay no tax. Now, sometimes that's legitimate, but often it's through donations. You might think, well, fantastic. They've donated. That money's going to be spent wisely. Then you've got to ask yourself, who's charity? And some of these people set up charities. There's a famous person out there who's no longer alive, so we don't need to name names. But they've set up a beautiful charity uh, where they donated money to. Interesting what that money got spent on or didn't get spent on. So it's there are ways of How shuffling. How is that loophole not closed? <laughs> There's so many loopholes. <laughs> you asked that in a lovely way. Like, how is that still a thing? It's like... What's well, a dodgy charity? Yeah. So well, I set up the Chris Thomas Foundation <laughs> yeah. to um, yeah. invest in saving the hairy-nosed wombat from yeah. Queensland extinction. Yeah. And it doesn't do anything. Well, it does. It pays Millie, uh, you know, hundred thousand dollars a year to do some deep and thoughtful research articles on the hairy nose yeah. wombat. Yeah, thank you, Millie. Much appreciated. God, <laughs> the tax system is just, it, yeah, it's a joke. Well, that's that's people and, and perverse incentives. So you you want to minimise the incentives and make it the path of least resistance, and and that's one great thing about. Um, GST, for example, companies collect it, they report it, it gets done. Um, FBT, at least, it works because 
employers have to pay. Employers are caught, yep. yes. So it yeah. catches it at the employer level, which is far better than trying to get each individual employee to fess up to what they've received. The, you know, the GST is good for catching people in the black economy every time they, at least they go shopping. They've got to pay 10%. On the on the stuff. Well, and, and the move to a cashless society has absolutely caught everybody out without yeah. even realising. Yeah. I think the average punter has not woken up that very soon your tax could be pretty much ninety five percent done for you by the ATO because yeah. they can see your bank account, they can yeah. see your expenditures, they can actually see what your expenditures are on, depending on how far they want to go. Yeah. Um, nothing is paid for in cash anymore, and if you're a small business. Yeah you've got exactly the same problem. Absolutely. And they're clever enough to know that if you've got money sitting in your bank account and no real way of earning that, then they can they can interpret how much you earn and do a modified assessment. And so, so we've got the data, we've got the capability, uh, absolutely, to make what, this work. What about inheritance tax? Nah. Death duties? No. Why? Go the other way. Why should we have them? Uh, because... The, we've become this country um, that is so focused on building wealth. All we want to do is build as much wealth as we can to pass over, I'm sure in just about all cases, to children or other loved ones, to people to protect them financially so that they can um, survive, but basically also just grow a heap of wealth. Yeah. And it's, it's perverse in its own nature. It actually promotes inequality. It means that we all we want to do is invest in things that will give us the highest return, certainly yeah. not invest in things that will necessarily have a benefit to all of society. Yeah. Okay, we could leave that part aside, but there is, it's just wealth accumulation because you can pass it on. In a country like the UK, I think, yeah. you still have inheritance tax. Yeah, they do. And, and so one of the problems in the UK is if you're trying to maintain some of these estates, they cost millions to keep going. The inheritance tax kicks in and they can't afford to do it. So they have to sell them off, which is sometimes fine. But you, what you're doing is a, a mega wealth transfer. I guess the question would be, would it be okay to force someone to pay a, a mega tax because they're wealthy if they're still alive? And the answer is not really. There's a fair amount. You pay your tax as you earn it. So if you earn a million bucks and you pay your 300,000 tax, if let's say you had a capped tax rate, yep. then the tax is paid. Then if you invest that 700 remaining and you make more money, you pay tax on the income. You shouldn't then have, just because you die, go, oh, well, that's 700 grand, the government gets another bite at the cherry. And, and the other thing is it, it'll create absurdity because people find ways of transferring that wealth out before they die. So you just create a whole new industry of people avoiding their death taxes. Well, if you leave things like trusts and, and other yep. uh, facilities in place, yes, yep. they, they would just transfer it out. So they'll transfer it out. As soon as you've got enough money, you're going to avoid it anyway. But from not even an ethical, just a, a logical, philosophical point of view, I think people should pay tax and they should pay a good portion because then you build your roads and your hospitals and your police force and your defence force, all the things that make Australia awesome. But... Do you, do you get to double dip? Now, I know that creates generational income disparity, and that's bad, and that's unhealthy, but fix that in a different way. Build, build up the wealth in other areas rather than penalising someone like, oh, you died, <laughs> we're going to strip it from you. Because where does it end? At what point does the government start just taking your stuff? Yeah. So Stamp I, duty? It's stupid. <laughs> It is. <laughs> it's stupid because you, you've got to find a different way to generate the tax income. 
So you, yes, we need tax income, but no, stamp duty just locks people in and it slows movement. So one of the great things in the United States is people move to where the work is. So they've got a much more mobile economy. Now, okay, we want to keep our social structures, but if you've bought a house in, a, in an expensive area and you want to move somewhere else, you you can't move. When, you, when you're dropping 100, 150,000 or more, whatever it is on stamp duty now, just for moving house, the idea of moving every two or three years, moving for work, moving into state, doing something different, moving closer to your parents because they're getting older, that's just not feasible. No, in Melbourne, it costs you about 150K in tax. Yeah. A lot of people don't think about just yeah. to move. If you bought the yeah. same for what you sold, yeah. you'll still lose with all fees and everything else it's about 150000 Yeah. <laughs> so, so you might as well go and do a renovation or who exactly. knows. But, and, and so I hate that because what that does is it stops people selling and it stops people moving. So it, it closes up supply. You've got to be quite compelled to sell or move. Now, how can you get that tax income? The other thing is it's very lumpy. The average person, I think, sells a house every seven years. So great. So, mm-hmm. so the other way is land tax, which does Absolutely. exist, but not on a residential Absolutely. property. Absolutely. So bring it in. Bring in a systematic way that wherever you live, you're paying the tax. So therefore, you, a pay, lot the, of countries have land you pay the same amount of tax, but you can move at any time. Why would you want to stop people moving and becoming mobile? So who's the lobby group that stops land tax? No, it's just a political party thing. If someone says bring it in, someone says, hey, every residential person out there, you're being shafted by the government and we'll yeah. all vote against it. Yeah, That's a very hard one to bring in because you're, you're trying to bring it in to residential yeah. owner occupiers as opposed yeah. to investment yeah. people that pay it, Yeah, investment property owners. So I, I we, mean, have to get, we have to get tax money out of property and into other things, in, into business, into other things where you can yeah. get a benefit Perhaps, perhaps through a deduction, as I say, I want less of them, but I just, I'm so fundamentally opposed to the amount of effort, emotionally, mentally, and financially we shove into property. Yeah. It doesn't deliver anything really for society. Yeah. And it's a bit dysfunctional. If you're, if you're Nana and you bought a house in the 1950s, you probably paid $3,000 for it. It's now worth one and a half million. But you're not rich. You're not really rich or wealthy. You don't have no. much. You just you're asset rich. Asset rich. So one, how are you going to pay that land tax? Well, you might maybe do a reverse mortgage or something. But should you have to pay that? You didn't do anything other than keep living in that house. It's now just a more popular location. Yeah. So there's there's problems in all those areas. So how do you generate the right amount of tax? And where's the where's the source? And that's where I think GST is brilliant. Capture every time we we do something. Every time we move, you you pay a little bit. And we don't even notice it. Yeah. It's even slightly progressive because obviously wealthier people pay more GST because yeah. they purchase well, more. Well, and, and see, that's when, when I say I'm against progressive taxation, I would argue that, it, yeah, GST is progressive because you spend a lot more. So it's still 10%. Just because you're rich, you shouldn't pay more GST than someone else. You're going to buy more stuff. So therefore, you're contributing into the economy in that way. Yeah. Same thing if, if your tax rate sits at 30% all the way, you know, you make a million bucks, still pay 30%. You're still paying $300,000 tax. It's going to be used very, very well. But but if your tax rate was 480000 you can see why. There's a there's $150,000 that people are going to fight hard for to funnel into alternative means. Take that Take that off the table. Mm. Just collect the 300000 without thinking. Move on. And there's only several thousand taxpayers earning this money anyway. So we have these complicated, arcane tax rules and everyone playing these games. And it's, 
the, the, I was at, on a university campus earlier this year and the, the sign said, you know, we know how to fix the problem. You have to guess which party it was. Um, we're just going to tax the billionaires. Okay, so, right, we go and just kill them at the same time seems to be the motto. Kill the billionaires and take their money. Okay, brilliant. Now what? Have a look how much it costs to run the Australian economy in a year. You could take all the billionaires and all their cash, wouldn't even fund one year. And then what are you going to do next year? It, this idea that the billionaires have all the cash and everyone else doesn't, in Australia at least, is garbage. So you're not going to join the Greens? How do you know it's the Greens? <laughs> <laughs> I, th I thought it was profound. What tax <laughs> have we left off? Well, corporate tax, I suppose, is, is the other one. And I can, see, I can see positives for things like research and development, the ability to to write some of that off mm. um, by then, and it's too complicated for me, exactly the stuff that PwC and KPMG and all the rest of them do, mm. multinationals, transfer pricing, yeah. I finally had to learn about that. <laughs> and then when I, when I understood it and yeah. the Chevron case, it yeah, it's, it's really effed up mm. what they were doing. Yeah. That is just screwing a government, and yet we just take so long yeah. Government takes so long to even decide to do something. And I'm not even sure if that's about Chevron paying 20,000 bucks to go to a, a Liberal Party function, then a Labor Party function and whatnot. It, mm. it, that's not even enough. I think it's just, they're just stupidly slow. Now they finally <laughs> wake up and go, oh, we've mm. been getting shafted hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. What was it you were saying before um, we started the episode about the ATO oh. and their half a billion? I can't remember there's, what they actually did. There's two different frauds that have happened at the ATO. One, there's a TikTok fraud going around, which led to a billion dollars of leakage. And then there was this other scam going on, which was half a billion dollars. Okay, so, so what give we, me one first. Like, I don't even know so the TikTok So the half a billion one. one. Yeah, All right, TikTok, half a billion one. Yeah. Half a billion one. Now you've got me on the hop. I'm trying to remember what caused it. These, um, oh, no, the half, the half, half a, billion. a billion is just stupid. Yeah. Cyber criminals create fake MyGov right. accounts That's right. using stolen documents and yeah. then put So they log into your MyGov account and then they change your bank account details. They put in a massive return and then the tax office paid out. And all they had to do was put a slowdown or a hold or a double check anytime someone changed a BSB and account number. Really simple. Christ, that's bad. Half a billion dollars were lost. So now, when recently there was a Phoenix guy and the tax, the, the creditors he owes, including a couple hundred million to the tax department, was once again over half a billion. How did this person incur half a billion dollars worth of debts and go bust? Well, previously they'd run a business and incurred five million or 10 million and gone bust. And the tax office said, oh, well, there's no point taking action against them. We won't get any money back. Mm. But yeah, but you could have taken them out of the gene pool at least. Um, <laughs> so here we go. And they do it again. And they do it again. So they keep running businesses. They keep not paying anyone. They, they build these apartments that are horrendously bad and can't be occupied. And now half a billion dollars is lost to all these creditors. And the tax office, oh, well, we didn't have money to really follow that up or prosecute. Well, punch me in the head. I think you did. All mm. you needed to do was stop a one and a half billion dollars worth of leakage and actually follow up a bad guy. And if you'd followed them up and stopped them at the 10 million mark, uh, you know, a stitch in nine, time saves nine. It's, it's absurd. Well, we had a whistleblower then that talked about though the ATO chasing a lot of small business people up. Mm. and screwing them to the wall with yeah. perverse um, sort of, a, I don't know if it was a bonus structure within the ATO, or it was, you had to get through a certain number of cases. Yeah. 
um, and that gentleman that blew the whistle and then they went, oh, we're going to put you in jail for yeah. 150 That's years. Right. Yeah, yeah. But I think the case is still, they dropped part of it and part of it's still going on. Still going, yeah, um, you made us look bad, so we'll screw you. That was, oh, yeah. it was interesting times in, in John Howard's time. You know, we had, back then I was still teaching ethics and governance and whistleblower protections. And people were like, why doesn't Australia have proper whistleblower protection rules? So the first requirement to be protected under the whistleblowing laws was that you couldn't be anonymous. So you had to give your, your name over. Mm. So then that could be leaked and then you could be screwed. So it was a brilliant way of writing a law that says, oh yeah, we protect whistleblowers, but we'll destroy you. And you go, why would a government allow that? Well, the government hated whistleblowers. So you think about the children overboard and these other, any time someone did that, the government tried to destroy that person. So the government was quite happy to work well in the same way that with, with businesses, we don't want whistleblowers. We don't like that around here. Yeah. So when your politicians are creating laws that prevent whistleblowers and totally screw them, what chance have you got? Yep. Yeah. All right. So the only way to fix the tax system is to create our own political party. Yeah. And, um, and get control. And, and uh, we'd love to hear from any listeners, but I want to call <laughs> it the moderate party because I want it to be moderate. Yeah, but it's in the middle. It's the middle ground. <sighs> It's technocratic, so it's going to be actually based on good policy. Chris will be a little bit left-wing, I'll be a little bit right, and we'll meet in the middle as the moderates. Well, that's what most political parties are meant to do. Have a bit of left, have a bit of right, yeah, and then fight, 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 fight. But we've gone down the populist path of what's going to give me a, um, a quick win in the next two and a half years. So, you know, look at our past treasurer. I think you were saying that he worked with APRA to release the requirement to uh, have a certain amount of extra percentages when you go to the bank to see how much you can borrow. Remove that to help the economy flow more, have a bit more of a debt binge and plunge us into a giant hole. So the politicians are thinking in two and a half year cycles instead of 10 and 20 and 30 year cycles. Yes. Um... I go out for meals and I often order sticky date pudding for my main because... (laughs) And no... <laughs> for your main, I get you mean for dessert. Pe- no, for main, because people give me grief, right? But <laughs> I often, if I have an entree to main, especially, I'm too full for dessert and I don't enjoy it. And then I miss out on the sticky date. So I would rather, my favourite meal in a restaurant is normally sticky date pudding. So why wouldn't I eat that first? Because law of diminishing returns, every mouthful, you, you enjoy food less and less as you get more full. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you start with the most enjoyable food first? Uh, I guess so. Dessert is not the most enjoyable thing for me. I, I'm savoury, I'm more the main. But yeah, I, I, it's probably just the way it sits in your stomach. You sits, layer the sits bottom. It beautifully. <laughs> Does it? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I, I just, what's funny is, you know, we're all very accommodating of all different types of shapes and sizes and behaviours, which I think is fantastic compared to living in the 80s or Queensland. But... One thing people don't like, you go to a restaurant and I do that, people are affronted. They, they can, they're not just, oh, that's a bit different. I can live with it. There's a genuine like frustration and anger. That, that you're they, having a dessert yeah. while they It's a bit like saying, hey, I'm a vegan. And everyone pile on. It's like, hey, I'm going to have my dessert now. Do you have to say to the, the waiter, bring it with my main? Yes. And it is my main. I say that. And let me tell you, I went to Dalesford a couple of weeks ago and I ordered the sticky date pudding. 
Not only did they not bring it with my main, they didn't even bring it with the desserts. I was so bloody clueless. So I like, and everyone's ready to leave. I'm like, I, I still haven't had my sticky I am date. not going. And they actually it. brought it to me yeah. about 40 minutes late. Well, don't but, go back to that place. No, that's, that's actually a song. It's a sequel to... Um, don't build in Lisbon. Don't Lisbon. build in Lisbon. <laughs> don't buy sticky date in Dalesford. Right. It's a thing. <laughs> you should go to the Surly Goat in Dalesford. That is a really nice restaurant. I'll check that out. their first free plug. Okay. No, don't take the whole family. No. Cost an absolute bomb as well. <laughs> no. They won't, they won't appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs>